0: Welcome to the vivid vision podcast thank you for tuning in and making your choice to win this is the show we normally motivate and inspire we give you tactical strategies to implement on your way to greatness and now here is your host Umeni.
1: all
2: right <laughs> it's a beautiful time once again on vivid vision podcast and today I have with me Kelvin Palmieri. Kevin, did I pronounce that very well?
1: You did, my friend. I appreciate it very much. I'm excited to chat. And thank you so much for having me.
2: Very good. Palmieri is from the United States. He hosts at Next Level University podcast. He's going to be talking about self-improvement and entrepreneurship. So, Kevin, can we get a little introduction about yourself? Sure. I know you. From what you told me, you suffered uh depression and stuff. Can you tell us a little about your story?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I was raised in a single parent household. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, and I didn't know my dad and I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously that has played a part in my story and who you see in front of you today. But something very interesting happened to me when i was graduating from high school i determined that i didn't want to go to college i just i didn't want to go pay a bunch of money to try to figure out what i wanted to do with my life because i figured well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna learn about my passions and what i want to do i'll go start working so i worked at a local gas station and i did a bunch of odd jobs i drove a truck i operated a forklift I was a personal trainer. I was in construction. I did many, many different jobs. But I ended up getting a job where we would go into government-owned buildings and we would make them more energy efficient. So we'd work in the attics, we'd work on the roofs, we'd work on the doors, the windows. It was our job to save energy. And since we were working on the government and state contracts, I was getting anywhere from 60 to 120 United States dollars per hour, which is a really 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 good wage, especially for somebody who doesn't have a college degree. So, if you fast-forwarded a couple of years later, you would see somebody who had quote unquote all the measures of success. I had a sports car, I had a lot of money, I was in really good shape, I had a new apartment, I had all the things that you could ever want, but I still ended up sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide a couple of years later because I was just I felt so stuck and so trapped, and I assumed that all the external success I had was going to make me feel better about me. And it just didn't work that way. More money didn't make me feel better about me. It didn't make me feel more confident. It didn't make me understand myself at a deeper level. It didn't help me face my traumas and my triggers and all that. So I ended up leaving that job in 2018 and going all in as a podcaster. And since then, you know, now we've recorded 1,370 episodes and we have a successful podcast and all that happy jazz. But the truth of the matter is now I get to help people every day and I get to be on podcasts and coach people and do our podcasts. And that's really what I wanted when I started all this. So the, the lesson in that is a lot of us, again, myself included, and this has caused me so much pain. We assume that the external stuff the cars, the whatever it is, right? The money, all of that, is gonna fix the internal stuff. And for most of us, that just isn't the case. We have to go and figure out why we feel the way we feel, and then we have to start unpacking and unconditioning and unlearning those things.
2: Are you saying that no matter what you acquired physically, materially, you were not satisfied? Was it what caused this, Depression?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I I think I put so much emphasis on if I get nice things, I will feel really good. For most of us, so I think a lot of us believe happiness is the goal. If I buy a new car, if I get a new house, if I have a lot of money, I will be happy. When in reality, Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is a not, it's not a long-term goal for most of us because you're not gonna be happy all the time. But what you can optimize for is fulfillment. Fulfillment is you growing and contributing towards an ultimate goal that you may never reach. It's you becoming a new version of yourself. You feeling like you're making progress towards something that is greater than yourself. So yeah, I think my thought process at the time was, I am not confident. I do not feel good about myself. If I have a lot of nice things, I will feel good about myself. The problem with that is it's a trap because everybody thought I felt really good about myself, but I didn't. And I was afraid everybody was going to know how I really felt about myself. And that was a really, really scary thing because everybody thought I was very successful. So it almost locked me into a cage of not feeling like I could start over because my reputation was I was successful and I made a lot of money. So, yeah, I would say just the simplest form of that is a lot of us are thinking that happiness is the goal. You can be happy, you know, watching eight hours of Netflix, but that's not going to fulfill you long term. I love Netflix as as much as anybody else, but I love watching it after a long day of me adding value and contributing and feeling fulfilled, right? Versus just doing it all day. There's, you're not going to be happy if you watch Netflix for 40 hours a week. It's just not going to bring happiness. And, it's definitely not going to bring fulfillment.
2: Oh, meaning what brings fulfillment and happiness should be the value bring to your own life and the life of other business. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, I would say that. I I think the the other interesting thing is when it comes to happiness and fulfillment, oftentimes the things that make you happy aren't necessarily going to lead to fulfillment. And the things that fulfill you aren't necessarily going to lead to or be be because of short-term happiness. So the analogy I always use is I love martial arts. So I'll go to the gym and I'll do like a kickboxing workout. This kickboxing workout is terrible. I mean, it's really, really, really hard. I'm sweating all over the place. I'm catching my breath. I am not happy when I'm doing that. It is not a happy feeling, but I'm always very fulfilled. When I'm done, I feel very accomplished. I feel like I've grown. I feel like I pushed myself. It's it's not about the actual workout, it's about the fact that I'm growing through it. And I think that's just a really good analogy. Today I have a really busy day where I have a bunch of calls. And I told my wife today, I said, I just gotta, I gotta find a way to get through the day. Not that I'm not happy, I, I am, I'm excited that I get to do this, but it's it's challenging. It's not easy. Right, I, I would probably be short term happier if I was just watching Netflix all day. But I will tell you this when I get to the end of the day and I reflect on the day that I had, the impact that I had, the stuff that I learned, I will be, I will be fulfilled. I will be fulfilled. I don't know, I'm sure I'll be happy too, but I'm optimizing more for fulfillment than happiness.
2: Thank you very much. I believe our listeners are. We we'll learn so much from this. So, what were, the, what were the key turning points or realization that helped you start your journey of self-improvement and personal growth? The,
1: this, the first one is almost silly because I had such a, a fixed mindset at the time, but I remember when I first started listening to audiobooks and watching TED Talks and learning, I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, interesting the way I am right now is not the way that I have to be forever. When I learn something, it helps me evolve. And I know that probably sounds, it might sound very, very obvious and very, very simple, but I never understood how, how much humans had the ability to change. I never, ever, ever understood that because I wasn't good in school. I never felt really smart and I never felt like I could learn a ton. The first thing that really shifted for me, and maybe the biggest thing ever, was you can learn more, and when you learn more, you will grow more, and when you grow more, you will become more. And that really has been the journey every day for the last six years. That was part one. And I think the other interesting thing that I learned was there's a difference between self-belief and self-worth. Self-belief for many of us is our unique belief in in our ability to build something. So uh, I always use the analogy of on a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe that you are capable of building a beautiful castle on the ocean? There's a ton of land. There's a beautiful view. The sun's always setting perfectly. It's amazing. The inside is awesome. It has all the nice things that you want. On a scale of one to 10, how much... Or how capable are you of building your own unique version of that? And you know, somebody might say, I'm an eight out of 10. Okay, you believe in yourself at a level eight out of 10. How much do you believe you're actually worthy of moving in? How much do you believe that you actually belong there? And they might say, hmm, maybe like a two out of 10. Okay, self-worth is you feeling like you belong there. You feeling like you deserve to move in. Self-belief is your ability to actually create the thing. I used to think that most of us weren't achieving the level of success that we wanted in our life because we didn't have self-belief. And that is true. There's a lot of people that struggle with self-belief, myself included, but there are also a lot of people who do not believe that they deserve success. And if you do not believe you deserve something, you most likely are not going to do the things required to get it. So understanding the difference between self-belief and self-worth and how they affect people. That's been a very, very big understanding for me as well.
2: Wow. Thank you very much. Of course. Yeah. You, you talked about entrepreneurship, how you left your job, mm-hmm. how you started. So what was your motivation? I missed your challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the big things for me was, well, one, when I started podcasting, I was so afraid that that it was going to get taken away. When I left my job, it was very, obviously it was very challenging. And I was terrified because when I left, I had no income and I didn't know how I was going to make money. So the motivation was the necessity. I think a lot of people, we get stuck into this comfortable life. And when you're super comfortable, there isn't a lot of necessity, right? It's like, who do you think is gonna run faster, the person who's just trying to run fast, or the person who's being chased by someone? Probably the person being chased because they have more necessity. So, I just had a lot of, I had a lot of necessity, and honestly, I wasn't always motivated, and I wasn't always inspired, and I, I, I didn't always feel like doing it. I just had an agreement with myself that either I do what it takes to get the level of success I want, or I don't get, I don't get to complain about the fact that I don't have it. That was a big, a big part of it was just being real with myself. You know, nobody is going to do this for me. And if I don't give it what I, if I don't give it everything I have and I do not become successful and I have to go back to a job I don't like, I'm going to be very miserable and I'm going to regret the fact that I didn't work harder. That was a big piece of it. And this is the other, the other interesting part. I have a business partner and I have a co-host. So I have built in accountability. I might not want to show up and do an episode. But my my co-host and business partner is there. Vice versa. He might not want to show up and he might feel sick. He might feel tired. If I wasn't there, he might not show up. But together, there's that extra layer of necessity. That There's that extra layer of somebody being there to make sure you do the right thing. So I think that that's been very, very helpful for us And I mean, we haven't missed an episode, you know, we've done 1,400 episodes together pretty much, and we've never missed. So that's a a really, really big piece of it. Oftentimes, I think, Shiva, I think a lot of people, a lot of people rely on motivation. And motivation is like happiness. It comes and it goes, right? You can watch a a documentary you can watch a youtube video and you might get motivated but that motivation isn't necessarily going to last so you have to tap into necessity like what is the point of all this in the beginning why did you start this be real with yourself what happens if you don't do the thing that you're supposed to are you okay with not getting a result that's always something that really really helped me in the beginning
2: wow <laughs> i love this i love this thank you i love so what were the practical uh, strategies or techniques you used to overcome negative thoughts? I know there will be negative thoughts, I believe so what was the technique you used? In the so beauty yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, in the beginning I I tried to keep it pretty simple and I would just I would journal and I would write down affirmations every day because I wasn't used to saying nice things to myself. You know i i never really considered myself smart i never considered myself quote unquote successful so even me writing those things down it was trying to teach my brain that it was okay for me to to say those things about myself that was something i did another thing that i did that i've done with a lot of clients that's been very helpful is every day i'd write down you know the the big three wins like what are the biggest three wins i had today the biggest three successes so You know, I got a new client, I had a great workout and I did a really powerful podcast interview. Awesome. Okay, cool. Do the same thing tomorrow. That was part one. I would say the second thing that really helped me was being honest about some of the negative talk. So this is a very, very fine line, but I remember having a conversation with my business partner and I said, I just don't feel smart enough. And he said, well, what if you're not smart enough yet? What if you don't know as much as you need to know yet? I remember that really hurt in the moment because I felt stupid. But I also remember thinking, you know what? I I actually think he's right. Yes, I could say to myself, I don't feel smart enough, but Kev, you are smart enough. And that would be a positive spin on it. But the, the fact of it was I wasn't, I was not smart enough for where I needed to be. And I remember when I owned that thought, when I owned that fact, it allowed me to work on myself more and and I started learning every day and that was super, super important for me. So I used the negative talk to understand myself at a deeper level and ask myself, is this negative talk or is this accurate talk? I think that's the problem is a lot of us, we don't say positive things about ourselves, even though they're accurate. Right? It's like, if you're a really good parent, you should give yourself credit for that. If you're a really good business person, a really good speaker, a really charitable person, you should give yourself credit for that. If you're not giving yourself credit for your wins, it's very hard to create constructive opportunities from your potential losses. So I think that was a very important thing for me is, if I'm gonna be, if I can say to myself, I'm a really good podcaster, I can also say to myself, hmm, interesting, I didn't do a great job that episode, I have to get better. I just, I think admitting that, having that admittance factor was, was very important for me too, even though it might sound counterintuitive.
2: Okay, 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 thank you very much. Of course. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot from this because I too have a long way to go.
1: Always my friend, always, we always do. I,
2: I was seeing a lot of us are going through this and this discussion will help a lot of us very much.
1: I love that. That's my, That's the goal. That's the goal, my friend.
2: Because identifying and pursuing your passion is very. It's not an easy thing.
1: No, definitely not. It's not
2: an easy thing. So first you have to uh, develop an interest and then build on that interest. Because you do not know if it's going to work out and you do not know if it's going to fail, right?
1: Definitely. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is you're going to fail many, many, many times on the journey towards success the most successful people in the world are also the people who have failed the most behind the scenes we just don't we just don't see those things and to your point you probably don't know exactly what you want to do yet and that's why it's important to try a bunch of stuff and when you try stuff you'll say oh you know what i really i really enjoyed that Um, i didn't i didn't really enjoy that when you are able to tap into okay i enjoyed that why what about it did you enjoy? Not just the fact that it was it was fun or it paid a lot of money. Ask yourself, why? Why did I enjoy that? Well, because I was able to have a deep conversation. Okay. Why did I enjoy that? Well, because I learned about myself. Okay. Why did I enjoy that? And if you keep digging, it'll help you get to the root of why you actually enjoy something, right? And that's the purpose and the passion and the, the drive underneath it.
2: Exactly, I I agree to what you said. So, how did you discover your passion and interest? How did you discover it?
1: I feel like I got lucky. I, I say that often. I was interviewed on a YouTube channel and it was all about fitness and mindset. And after that, I remember saying to one of my friends, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. And he said, well, you can, I mean, there's a way to do that. That was when the initial podcast bug was planted in my mind. Now, here's the interesting thing. After I have that awareness, I'm able to look back and say, okay, I used to, when I was driving a truck, I used to talk about to myself, how cool it would be if you only worked like four hours a day and you talked on the radio, right? I listened to a lot of talk radio when I would drive the truck. I said, imagine that, that would be a really cool job. Okay, interesting. I also used to do videos on Facebook where I was just talking about motivation, inspiration, mindset, stuff like that. That was long before the podcast. So what actually brought it to me was being interviewed on the show. But then when you look back, you're able to see that there's a lot of hints. You know, the hint of saying, wow, it'd be really cool to be on the radio. Interesting. Wow, it would be really cool if I could talk on Facebook and help people. Interesting. And then if you look even further back, I remember I was coaching people in my my Snapchat DMs long before I ever considered myself a coach. I just wanted to help people. So it the, the seed was planted years and years and years before it ever became a podcast. But being interviewed on somebody else's YouTube show is when I really, really found that I was passionate about talking to people about self-improvement and about mindset and about getting better. That was really the very, very beginning for me. But then I was able to connect the dots of, okay, there's a there's been a bunch of other hints in my past that this is something I wanted to do. Wow.
2: Meaning we shouldn't shy away from some obligations you need to volunteer, right?
1: Yeah. Well you gotta you gotta try stuff. You never know. There, there is always lessons in experience. You might go do something and say, I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy any of that. I didn't like any of it. You might go and try something and find out, oh, you know what, I didn't like this part of it, but I did enjoy this. Okay, well, what does that mean? And then eventually, a year, two years, five years down the line, you can look back and then you can kind of connect the dots of, oh, I've always liked speaking, or I've always liked art, or I've always wanted to work for myself, whatever it is. And then just that level of clarity is just super important and
2: and when you started doing this uh, you didn't have the thought of suicide anymore
1: no no when I left my job so I started the podcast in 2017 I left my job in 2018 when I left my job I my mental health got a lot better now I was under a lot of pressure when I left and I was working a lot and I, I started to get anxiety which I never really understood before, I never really had, but in terms of depression and that level of, uh, that side of mental health, things got a lot better for me because I felt like I was doing my own thing, there was a lot of, a weird level of pressure relieved when I left my job even though it was replaced with a new one. but. I became my own boss, which was really cool, and I felt like I could do what I love doing. So, I definitely got more anxiety when I left my old job, but my mental health, in terms of depression, has been drastically different.
2: Wow. So, what what advice would you give to other persons going through thoughts of suicide?
1: It's hard. I, the first thing I always say is find somebody safe. So somebody that you feel safe talking to because it's very hard to go at it alone and somebody can give you a perspective that you may not be able to see currently. You got to find hope because when we lose hope, I think we, we lose reason and we lose opportunity and we lose motivation and find a way to look into the future and see if you can find some hope because that's really what we're all after. We hope our relationship will improve if we pour into it. We hope we'll make more money if we work really hard. We hope going to the gym will help us get in shape. A lot of us are. We're looking toward the future, into the future for hope. So we have to figure out where you can locate some hope. But I always go to, you got to talk to somebody because somebody might be able to give you a unique perspective that you can't give yourself yet. When I was having those thoughts, when I was having those feelings, I reached out to a friend who is now my business partner. And he gave me a very unique perspective that day that helped me a ton. But that all came from a place of me feeling like I could reach out to him and I felt safe and I didn't feel like he would judge me. And I felt like he would give me good advice. So yeah, I I think reaching out to somebody, getting support, getting help, therapist, counselor, whatever it is, I think that's always a good first step.
2: Realize that some people will argue and tell you uh, 90% of their dis- depression is because they don't have money. Mm. And now you are saying you had money but you were depressed. Mm. How, how, how is this possible?
1: It's It's interesting. Money, there's a lot of people that say money can't buy happiness. I don't know if money can buy happiness, but money can buy opportunity. But it really depends on why you want the money in the first place. So think of, okay, if you feel, if you're a very confident person who has worked on themselves a lot and you don't have a history of depression or anxiety or any of that, and all you need is you need more money so you can pay your bills, yeah, maybe maybe money will solve some of those problems, yeah. right? Money can solve circumstantial yeah. money problems, but more yeah. often than not it's not going to solve internal traumas and triggers. So it really depends if right now like more, does more money make me happier? In a way, yes, because it creates more opportunity but I also do not expect it to make me feel more fulfilled. I don't expect it to help me understand myself at a deeper level. I don't think it's gonna make my insecurities go away. I think it really depends on what what is the purpose that you're trying to solve by getting more money. But, I mean, to your point, if you're struggling to make ends meet financially, money will bring you more happiness, definitely, because it's gonna create less stress and more certainty. But if you're somebody who already has enough money to exist and you think, oh, if I make a million more dollars, I'll be way more confident. I won't have any, you know, I won't have any depression. I won't look back on my past negatively. I won't be insecure. I think that's probably not the results you're going to get long term.
2: OK, I, I agree. I agree with you. But but I want to uh, I want to ask you how did your experience with self improvement and uh, entrepreneurship impact your relationship and connections with other other people?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In many of my relationships, it helped them because we had you know I had other people in my life who are also focused on self improvement and they were focused on growing and they wanted to learn more about themselves and become more self aware. So. On one hand, on one side of the coin, self-improvement really, really helped a lot of my relationships. On the other side of the coin, self-improvement also hurt a lot of my relationships because it made me realize that not everybody was right for me. Not everybody was supposed to be in my life anymore and they were supposed to be in my life for a reason. They were supposed to be in my life for a season, but maybe those reasons and those seasons were no longer existent. So it helped me become a better friend because I was more capable. I think it helped me become a better husband because I'm more capable and I take more, more responsibility and I've worked on myself, but it also really created a lot of distance between some of my old friendships because I started to understand that those people didn't value the same things that I valued. And I'm not saying there's a problem with that, right? You're, we're all entitled to, to value whatever it is we value. But if somebody is not good for my future, it's probably not best for me to have them in my current life, in my present life. So it's very interesting how it can be such a positive thing on one side, but also a potentially painful thing on the other.
2: If you go on social media today, mm. you see a lot of uh, insults, should I, should I say insult? Insult on uh, motivational speakers, life coach, they say a lot of things uh, about them. So what are your, uh, what are these common misconceptions about self-improvement that Mm. you have seen so far?
1: Um, Yeah, it's interesting. One of the most common misconceptions I see is that Mm. it's, it's very like, it's not real. You know, Mm. that, that working on yourself doesn't do anything and it doesn't mean anything. And it's a waste of time. And it's, I don't know. There are a lot of people on social media who don't give good advice, definitely. So some of those people probably aren't the right people to follow or listen to or whatever it is because they didn't get to where they got to based on self-improvement. Maybe they got there somewhere else. But I think the one of the most common misconceptions is if you work on yourself, you're going to be successful immediately. That's not true. If you If you work on yourself or you practice self-improvement, you're going to make a ton of money. That's not necessarily true because there's levels of self-improvement. There's, I used to think that self-improvement was reading a book to get better at sales. I don't think that's self-improvement as much as I believe working on your traumas and your triggers and your insecurities and your self-talk and that stuff, that is self-improvement. Sales is different, Um, that's external. I now more than ever think self-improvement is internal. It's internal work that most people will never see. That is something that is really highlighted for me because there's a lot of people who are multi-multi-millionaires who are very, very successful, quote unquote, but it doesn't mean they've practiced self-improvement in terms of handling their ego, in terms of becoming a more capable partner to their spouse in terms of being a better parent, they might have a very successful business. It does not mean they are a successful human holistically. And I think that's a common misconception. Just because somebody has a lot of money does not mean they know self-improvement as well as you think.
2: Yeah, because on on social media, if you don't have money and you don't have a large following, people will not listen to you. They expect that uh, if you are teaching them about, feel like you should have money, if you
1: have money before you can tell people what to do. Mm. Yeah,
2: I don't know if you want to start to.
1: Well, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to show somebody how you know or how much you know if you don't have anything to show, because people don't really recognize awareness. So, think of it this way: you will automatically assume I know more about podcasting with 1,400 episodes than you would if I only had one episode, just based on the fact that how much could I possibly know if I only have one episode? But That's just a level of... Yeah, for most of us, the results are the proof of the knowledge that somebody has. So it is. It it is harder to succeed if you do not have the results yet. But, and I'm sure you've seen this, you can overdo that too and then fake all the results so people think you know what you're talking about. You know, it. it, But it is. It's marketing, and it's it's the understanding that you're probably not going to work with a personal trainer who is out of shape, because if they understood fitness and they understood how to get somebody results, in your mind, you probably think they would have better results. I mean, that makes all the logical sense in the world. And if you're a business coach, it's the same. If you're a podcast coach, it's the same. If you're any of that, it's the same. So yeah, you. It would benefit you to have a level of success before you start teaching other people how to get a level of success because at least then you have the proof that you know what you're talking about.
2: Okay. Uh again, there are some persons that yeah, that, that are just starting up. Mm-hmm. They want to start up uh podcasting, what they like. But I, I do believe that some of them they are in the process of getting better. And that is what we are doing every day, right?
1: Yes, yes, that's the goal.
2: Uh, From what we just talked about, a lot of them are going to stop. They won't continue because they don't get the likes, they don't get the uploads, they don't get the uh, money or benefit whatsoever that any podcaster will get. Because a lot of them, they, They don't get this benefit yet because they are starting. They don't have the money. They don't have the likes, the social media engagements. So a lot of them tend to stop on the way. They don't want to continue. Because there's this mindset that when you're having applause, you want to do more. You have the motivation to do. So what's your advice for somebody that's just
1: starting? Love see? Usually what I try to talk about is the fact that you're probably not looking at the right things. It's, it's, or you started it for, I don't want to say the wrong reason, but maybe a reason that isn't necessarily the most constructive to your success. So if you think about it this way, if you start a podcast for impact, and you get 15 people who listen to your first episode, you're getting the result you started for, but you're not gonna make $15 most likely or $1,500 or $15,000. If you you look for the result that you actually started for, I think you would be more successful and you'd probably do it for longer. The problem is people lose sight of that. I, I started this podcast for impact. I never planned on making money. Now, eventually, obviously, it got to the point where I left my job and I had to make money. But when I started this, I started this from a place of impact. I I do, we do seven episodes a week. I don't make any more money for doing seven episodes a week, but I do get to impact people more. So, I think you have to recheck in with why did you start this in in the first place. A lot of people, if they start something from a place of passion, they stick around long enough to make it profitable. But if you start something from a place of profit, you try to convince yourself you're passionate about it and you don't make money, you're gonna quit. But, is that- right? But if you start something and say, yeah. you know what? My goal is to impact one new person today. That's not that hard. And you're most likely gonna get that result. And then eventually you can say, you know what? Instead of impacting one new person today, I wanna impact a hundred new people. Okay, cool, that's a big goal. But even if you only impact 20 people, you're still impacting people. So. The, the shortest version of that is you have to make sure you're starting something with a sustainable way to actually get the result that you desire because if not you're going to be delaying gratification for a long 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 time and it might get to the point where you quit long before you ever would have got the result that you actually started for exactly,
2: exactly. kevin somebody somebody told me something mm. When I was just starting my podcast, I was still starting. She asked me uh, if I could tell her a little about podcasting, how I started, just put her through. I asked her, I, I told her that you are not going to be making money instantly. You can do this, just this do this thing, you can do this thing for years or months and yet you won't get a penny from it she said really I said yes she didn't She didn't talk about it again, why? because she wasn't she was after the money I know anybody, most of them especially in uh, in Africa most most people, not even African, most people They just want to know, they just want to do something because they feel you are making money from it, but they don't know you don't, they don't know that you have to build for a very long time Mm. to get money from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's understandable though. You know, I, I think a lot of people want to, they want to, they want to go from doing something they don't like to doing something that they love. And I, again, that's what I'm all about, I'm all about that. But here's the interesting thing. Oftentimes when you go from something you don't like that you're making money in, you're not gonna jump right to something that you do love and you're making money in. There's usually a long period of time where you kinda have to do both and you only make money in one. You know, there. that's the interesting thing about having, you know, kind of a side hustle or whatever it is. Here's the other interesting thing too. It, I live in a very different country with a very different economy it, with very different opportunities than somebody else. So even that it might be easier for me to make money than it is somebody in a different country. Right. And I think that's important to, to yeah, put right. Cause yeah. circumstantially, obviously things are different. And I think that's another important, under, uh, important understanding to have. And then the other thing too, is if, you, if I understand business at a deeper level than somebody else, it's probably going to be a little bit easier for me to make money there too because I understand how business works and numbers work. So there are a lot of very unique things that have to line up in terms of our awareness, in terms of our competencies, and in terms of our choices and opportunities to actually turn this into something successful.
2: Yeah, Kevin, uh, what books really affected you? Mm. that really helped you, movies or was there something that really helps you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, The movie, there's a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. Will Smith stars in it and it's a movie about uh, a guy named Chris Gardner, I believe, who that's kind of his life story. So yeah, there's something about having all of the odds stacked against you and still coming out on top. That, That movie always, always, always inspires me. And then that's a really good one. It's a really good one. And then, uh, books, I've heard a lot of really good things. I haven't read it all yet, but there's a book called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl was in one of the concentration camps, um, in Nazi Germany back in the forties, I believe. And he talked about his experience in overcoming that and it's it's supposed to be a really really inspirational book about even when you know all hope is lost how do you get through that i haven't read it but my business partner it's one of his favorite books and he only recommends powerful books so i'm sure that's a very good one as well
2: wow wow! quickly Cal- calvin ha- ha- what do you tell young ones young people or older people? going through their struggles in life, mm. what what will you tell them at the moment?
1: The two things. One, small things add up to big things. So I think a lot of us believe we have to change our lives today. We have to change everything about our lives today. When in reality, if you can just shift one potentially neg- negative habit into one potentially positive habit, that adds up over time, right? So I usually flip the script and I say, instead of looking at your life as this giant thing, what is one small thing we can shift today? So maybe you start tracking your finances. Instead of focusing on making a million dollars, let's just focus on tracking our finances, something we have control over that's really, really easy. Uh, I want to learn as much as humanly possible. Okay, let's read five pages today. I know five pages does not seem like a lot. It just, it doesn't, but if you read five pages a day for the entire year, you'll probably burn through, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 books. And that adds up. Imagine reading 10 books a year. That is going to make a drastic difference in your life. So the advice I give is break the big things that scare you into small things that are bite-sized. And when you start to stack those and compound those, your life can look dra- drastically different in three months drastically different in a year and wildly different in five years, but it is the small things that we do every single day. I agree. I agree.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Kevin Kwamieri.
1: My pleasure, it's my been,
2: friend. It's been a great time with you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: So, so quickly uh, share your last thoughts with uh, our listener, listeners and then um If you have a book, how they can reach you, your website, social media, or if you have a book you've written, just let them know.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. The last thought I would leave you with is the biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to be eventually is your habits. So just connecting that to the last thing we talked about, just try to take something that's potentially negative and make it a little bit more positive. And that adds up a lot over time. And if you liked what we talk about today, we talk about this a lot on our podcast. So you can just search Next Level University. We are on all the podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And the best place to reach me, you can just uh, email me, kevin at com is the easiest way.
2: All right, Kevin, Pamela. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, my friend. Um, thank you very much, listeners. I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us today
0: on the Vivid Vision Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at sharevisions.com. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are streamed, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found a value in this show we would appreciate a rating on our podcast or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sharevisions. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at sharevisions. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Sharevisions. Inspired. Share the vision.